time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 24 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by uh, the current WTC uh, captain for Team America, the only WTC champion captain, championing captain of Team America, six-time LVO top eight, uh, and former LVO winner and ITC champ, Mr. Sean Naden. How you doing, my man? I've actually never been ITC champions, interestingly. Apologies. Oh, of, yeah. the, of the like the nine accolades I just reeled off, <laughs> one was incorrect. I apologize. Everything else Everybody. is true, but that one is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to give you one that was true, just to, just to knock it down a shade so we can start on a negative. Because it's all upwards from here, baby. When I won LVO, the first time it was LVO, that was also the first year of the ITC. So it only so somebody got uh, Paul McEvely won the first time because it was only on the West Coast. It was only there was no ITC event yeah, anywhere yeah. else. It actually took until really until the third, the third year yeah. that um, it had translated all the way to across the East Coast, and we were getting widespread ITC love. Yeah, so. and there was like a scene of energy behind it, and it became a really kind of got a lot of momentum as well. Now I've got I've got Mr. Sean Naden here because we're going to do a little bit of a player spotlight episode. We're going to kind of time warp back back into uh, the first days of seventh edition and kind of LVO by LVO go through Sean's back in time, 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 yeah. Time. And experience Sean's run through six LVOs of being top eight and winning the damn thing um, through throughout editions, throughout meta changes, throughout this crazy thing we had of eighth edition and the insanity of seventh as well, and then going into ninth. Um, so part one of this, yeah, we're just going to literally walk through um, his LVOs, what the meta was like, how he played it, how he thought about constructing lists, how he won it or didn't. And then part two, we're going to talk about some of the skills and attributes that enable a player to stay relevant and stay current throughout years in editions and metas and things of that stripe. But first and foremost, Sean, where, what, how do people? How can people find out about you? What are some things you do that you want to tell people about? Please feel free to plug anything and anything you like. I mean, it might be illegal on your. Uh, you're also doing coaching services, but we we do. Oh, I'm, um, I'm not. We do yeah, a little bit. We we uh we're we we aren't the young strapping boys. We're we're old. We have families, so we do some stuff. <laughs> but um, foremost, uh, you can find me at Twitch at Team Battle Brothers. And I'm there Mondays, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, and Fridays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern U.S., whatever, wherever you're listening to us. Um, and that's actually me and the lovely Brad Chester. And we hang out, we talk 40K, we talk about the games we're playing, events hopefully we get to go to. I've got actually a couple of small events coming up in the future. And nice. And I paint, and uh, I've been doing a lot of painting in quarantine. Let me tell you, Adam. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and on there, you can find links to like our YouTube channel, Patreon channel, anything like that. But the Twitch is obviously it's free, it's fun, and we uh, we hang out for like two and a half, three hours twice a week. Is it you that have been painting the orcs, or is it Chester painting the orcs? Chester can't paint, so anything you see painted on there is me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, actually, we're, we're we're very close. Like, I've got to I've got to build and prime some models. Uh, we're going to do something very soon um, where we are going to take him, his wife, and my wife, and basically three newbie, never built model, paint model type people. I'm going to prime the models, put on a base coat with the airbrush, ship it to Chester and his and his lady, and and we're all going to paint together one of one, for a couple segments in the near future, and that should be hilarious because literally Chester uh, finger paints when he paints, like 
<laughs> his proudest 40k possession that he painted he painted with nail polish at a uh, at a world championship event because the, the model wasn't painted and the only had access to was somebody else's wife's nail polish and so <laughs> that's phenomenal I, I, I do hope he changes that at some point i mean he's never you're never too old but you know chester's still getting pretty that pretty long he's, in the he's, he's he's charming enough adam that he convinces people to paint for him <laughs> or like to loan him armies and stuff like that but it's actually interesting. He's he's getting this shift where he doesn't want, you know, hobo style armies anymore because mm-hmm. we've been doing this paint podcast, there's paint cast on Twitch for, you know, 10 months now through COVID. And he's watching like these models appear more and more beautiful. We've done some actually really cool freehand banners and stuff like That's that. that I um, and I do those for commission as well. But he's like, man, I want my stuff to look good. So then... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was mean, like, it's, it's more work, Brad. You have to actually come up with a list, not the night before. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the difference between your scene and my scene. My scene usually has a list submission date about two weeks out from the event where everyone sends their list in. And yeah, so you have to, we do that, you have for, to we do that for a couple events. I actually, yeah. I, I love it because it, it just takes, I mean, I actually pretty much lock in for most events a month ahead anyway because of, of the painting schedule. I actually, I, mm. I, I prefer my things to look nice so i usually will lock out a couple weeks ahead anytime and if i can do some late changes if i already have some of those units painted or if i want to spend some nights painting but uh it takes so much time that i don't tend to change until you know a month out before the event but i like this commission because it just it locks you in and takes that stress off it just just send it in what do you exactly. change two weeks before the event anyway yeah yeah i, I exactly agree and if you ever want to know how you get like a half an army done Submit submit an unfinished army, and you will paint all that stuff on time. It's just going to get done. You know, it's just going to get done. Um, <laughs> It'll at least anyway. battle ready, right? <laughs> that's right. Because you're not, uh, you're not to... sacrif- especially in ninth, right? You're not sacrificing those ten points a game. <laughs> no, that's no, no way, man. No way. I've already lost plenty of games by ten points, and it's, it, if I knew that was because of paint, no, no way, no how. No uh, way, but no anyway, how. I'll today's goodness. I've got a couple of things that I need to plug. So there's this crazy thing called the LV Nopen coming up, which uh, the guys from uh, my men at the Ocho are putting on, that being the brainchild of Val and Peter, who you know from Stat Center, then they've reeled in myself and Paul Murphy to be doing the commentary. Um, so people can go check that out at the LV Open uh, website. Also find us on the Facebook page. So you can look forward to that being in the last week and of January. It's going to be a 16-list RTT. So if, if people are having trouble conceptualizing what that is, think of it as just, just a 16 – like we're starting the LVO from the shadow round and going onwards, and the lists progress. The players don't. The lists get shuffled around from player to player, from content creator, all over the world. Um, and yeah, we've got some amazing people putting their things off on Twitch. It's all going to get restreamed through the uh, Stats Center uh, Twitch, and then it'll be commentated on by myself and Paul Murphy. And so you can follow that, check all that out at the end of uh, January. We've got a massive, massive raffle coming out associated with that as well. And most of all the proceeds are going towards charity. And uh, so there's plenty to get involved with. Please check that out. Please look it out. But my man, Sean Maiden, we are going to jump over into our meat and potatoes. The first, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself as a gamer. Was, was 40K your first competitive game? I would say, yeah. I mean, I've always been a competitive person, uh, you know, yeah. in playing games. Like, we play, me and my mates would always play, you know, Super Smash Brothers and for mm-hmm. hours and hours and that kind of thing. But we never went to like events for it or anything like that. Um, obviously, played sports in high school and competed at those kind of things. So, you know, c- competition has always been something I've been about. I picked up 40K when I was a wee lad freshman year of high school <laughs> how do you guys break down school years so like i would be uh, so uh, we're just it's, 14, it's 13 14 13 yes so that's year eight for us yeah yeah so 
when uh we had at, at when we went to high school there was like in the clubs there was like different clubs that did activities after school and they had like a fair at the beginning of the year and they would showcase it you know hey come to our rowing club or this club or this mm. club, blah 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 and walking around the room i saw these little figurines i was like what is this what, what is this what is this and they're like oh it's warhammer 40k bought an eldar army and uh never looked back <laughs> <laughs> so what, what edition was that what edition of the game would that have been would that have been fourth or fifth third third fair, yep yeah, fair cool um yeah. and so straight onto the eldar straight onto the, the knife ears straight on that was that was my first army um and uh, i still have the first model I ever painted i'm the guardians I used at several LVOs actually were, you know, repainted from times long past. I've had them since 2001, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, yeah, I, yeah. I have, I have a lot of models that still I've had since that time. So, um, you know, a little bit it's, of hoarding, little, I mean, I feel like any free 40 K players, a little bit of hoarder, you don't, you don't give up your bits and your bits box. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, we, because they, they have so much nice, warm, fuzzy feelings attached to them. You don't want to throw them away. You can't throw them away. They, yeah, might be good. they might be good again the next edition. So you don't, you don't want to. <laughs> I've got a I've got a bitch box. Uh, just a the random ass bitch box underneath my bed. It's a shoe box, and I'm in there. I've got like a first edition uh, corn berserker on a juggernaut. Um, of the, you know the one that literally you could club an intruder with. Like you could, I could win a fight with that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and a great unclean one as well. So I could dual wield a juggernaut and a great unclean one against yeah. an intruder. So I played through like, high school and then. Went off to college, went off to university, and I didn't play for um, the first couple of years there until I was, you know, living in my own apartment and not yep. partying as much. Uh, I was actually dating my wife at the time. Um, we go way back. That's even longer history than 40K. But uh, Damn. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, uh, so I wasn't going out and partying, chasing girls anymore. So I was like, oh, what, what can I do to, in my apartment sometimes if I don't want to play video games or don't want to avoid schoolwork, you know, that kind of thing. So I I went home, grabbed my paints, grabbed my 40K models, brought them up, and was like, oh, I wonder if anybody up here plays. There was actually a GW store uh, 30, 40 minutes from, from my school. So went over there, see what's up, see what's new, see what I needed to get to, to play again, and actually met uh, Alex Fennell. Nice. And, wow. Um, he was local to me and one of the legends of 40K. And across multiple countries in the world, you know, the pink yeah. armies, they are, they are legendary. <laughs> and he was like, oh, there's a tournament at this other store, blah, 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 you, no, blah, 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 you should come. Or We played a game, got back into it and found some other clubs and groups in the area and actually started playing in some RTTs. And that was the first time that was fifth edition. So I, so you're, you're skipped, first I skipped the uh, hollow field cloud fourth edition clown nonsense yeah. and went straight, straight on to fifth. So your first event was an RTT in fifth edition, and you ran Eldar. I'm assuming. Uh, I actually ran Space Marines. Um, fifth edition was, was the last time it, you will have seen me play Space Marines. Was it Space Wolves? It was not. It was Salamanders. I actually have good <laughs> two full companies of painted Salamanders that I've had for years because after so Eldar still suffer from this problem that you can't like convert models, and they back then. Yeah they weren't something interesting to model with. So I, I played Eldar, but painted space Marines for years. Like I didn't, I didn't, I almost, I didn't paint my Eldar at first cause we didn't need to paint to play in our high school group. We didn't yeah. care. I painted a couple models, but not like the whole armies or like, mm. you know, they had like a base coat in one color or something like that, but I painted my salamanders. So when I started going to events, I was like, Oh, I'll play with these. They're, they're, mm. they're painted. 
because there were paint requirements or paint points or paint rubrics or whatever you want yeah. to call them. So I painted, play, I played with the Marines for a couple, like a year or two in, in early fifth. And then I shelved them and I have not played with the Marines. <laughs> I've gone back to my, my roots, my, my alien roots for the next nice. so decades. <laughs> craft, craft, like, so you're not, you're not, you're not a craft or the other player. You're an Eldari player. You try, you play all facets of that super faction. Yeah, I do. I do. I played, um, I play them all. Uh, I, I love the, sol- I've had, I've had the metal solitaire model since again, since high school, one of my best friends had played Drukari, and when he stopped playing in high school, he gave me that Drukari army. So I've had all those, all three of those races of models since like the early two thousands. And brilliant, you know. And I've I just stripped and repainted the, some of the Incubi from met, the Metal Incubi with the axes and the old mm. old <laughs> Drazar for for a new project I've been doing. So you know, it's just that's like a, we talked about. You know, they come good again. You know, they cycle they through. They do. They all cycle through, and my, some some longer than others. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dark Eldar longer than others. But uh, so your first LVO was. I see. I had, I had a misconception. I thought your first LVO was sixth uh, edition. I thought it was the the tail end of sixth edition, which was a, a no. Uh, it, that it was a storm of the edition. That was the first LVO, but we didn't know about it. Alex actually went to it, um, but we had a local big event that I had won the year before so i was going to defend defend the title uh yeah. temple con i don't even know if it still runs but it was a it was a decent size event anything on the east coast back in the back in those days was always really competitive because you had mm. people like me alex fennel ben moley at the time nick Nadavati, all these guys just living here so it was just a yeah. hotbed um so we were going to go to that and plus we, we didn't know we didn't, none of us we we're all young we weren't really traveling to the west coast to play in events at the time and Alex went and said, Hey, this was great. I mean, he won, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which helps. But he's like, This was great. We'll go next year. And I was like, All right, for sure. So, year two was the first year that I went to LVO. So, how, how big was that then? It was, it was, it was the, the first couple first, years were around 100 players. Yeah. The first, it was the first event that had 256 people show up day one. Baller. That's that's pretty legit though. That is actually so like, legit. we had had a couple Adepticons work. They would claim that they sold two fifty six or they mm. sold, but sold out. But then once you get to the, uh, the thing, we, we always joke is that there's there's always like ten to twenty percent jobs on on big yeah. events because it's just a fact. You you get large mm-hmm. groups. They have things going on. Blah blah blah. But two hundred fifty six people or like two fifty four, two hundred fifty six. It was very close to the theoretical max. Um, signed up and showed up like amazing. for that event like yeah. it was amazing um it was a so, wild 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 place yeah paint us a little bit of the picture emerging so sixth edition is finished thank god because it was a horrible place to be um what is the start of seventh edition looking like for you and your your senior meta over there um the start of seventh i think was actually great people rag on seventh but that's mostly because of what happened towards the end of it the beginning yeah. of the edition was a, it was a breath of fresh air it was great it brought some of the good things we liked of sixth edition but it, it's it pulled us away from some of the other bad things and i think we all felt really really good about it i had been running through sixth the dreaded b star um mm-hmm. with my own flavor i ran vect which because I loved him. <laughs> um, and I actually, the new Dark Eldar Codex came out that fall and they cut Vect from the Codex. And I yeah. was yeah. very, very upset. Livid. Everybody livid. was livid. 
I was livid. So what happened was the last event I could go to that October with Vect, I went, but I also brought some Tyranid models with me for, for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. And I brought, so I brought a beast star with Vect and Lictors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, for people who just joined the game in eighth edition, this is the stuff you used to be able to do in, in sixth and seventh. So the, <laughs> so the best, the best, the universally accepted best army of sixth edition was Taudar was like some version of Tau and Eldar mashed together. The best bits of both. Um, but there was all this wonky-ass fringe stuff that was just ass backwards to put together in your head, but just made, like, absolute music on the table, um, which is essentially what you ended up doing. So what was the evolution to the list you ended up taking? So, obviously, then Vect was gone, and that November we were going to an event, and I was messing around with stuff that I had, and I, I owned Tyranid models from 5th edition. I went to an event because I had some Tyranid buddies in my in my playgroups, and they were like, oh, Tyranids suck. I actually went to an event in 5th at the Height of Grey Knights with a Tyranid list, and um, I think I lost one game and beat a bunch of Grey Knight players, beat a bunch of things, and I was like, see, you can do it. But this is what I owned for Tyranids, Adam. I owned hive, fly, Flying Hive Tyrants, Lictors, Molochs and Gene Stealers. Steelers. And that was it. I didn't own, I still do not own a single Gaunt. Like, mm-hmm. I don't own a single Carnifex. These things that, like, like lifetime Tyranid players were, like, latched into. I, I wasn't locked into those things because I just didn't own them and I wasn't going to go out and buy them. So I was like, all right, well, I had fun with these Lictors. What can I do with that? How many can I take? Well, the answer was nine. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> With um, uh, with uh, the formation that had five plus Death Eater solo, and then three more in my my main CAD. That's what we used to call it, yep. right? The combined arms attachment. attachment. Yeah, yeah, yeah combined arms attachment. My CAD had you know two Flyrants, three Molochs, and some Gene Stealers, and and, and some some Spore Mines. And so I went to this event in November, and I won. And people lost their mind at them. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, but he didn't play at Adamantium Lance. That's what it was, right? The three knights. The triple knight. Yeah, the triple. five knights. No, five no, knights. no. No, it was three, right? It was it was, it was, it was a formation of three, and then people brought, like, a Farseer to summon demons on top of that or some, something else with the Adamantium Lance. It was three knights, and they got to re-roll their invul saves or something. Because remember, seventh was formations with three rules. That was yeah. that was that was the that was, <laughs> that was yeah. the stuff. So that was running around and um Wave Serpent Spam. Wave Serpent Spam was really, really good at the time. Mm. And people were like, oh, he didn't play either of these two things. Let's discount the thing. Oh, there weren't ruins with levels. Let's discount yeah. this event. Um because that was what was stopping the Morlocks. If you're on a second level for some he, reason, the Morlocks couldn't hit you. But I was like, to be on an objective, you gotta be on the ground floor anyway. I was like, yeah. to me, I was like I you don't think I prepped for it? Like you know my buddy Kurt, Kurt Klaus. Yeah. Yep. He has played Mechdar for nine hundred years. You don't think I played him once before this event? Mm-hmm. Like I put this, I put this list on the table. He laughed at me. Then I beat his Mechdar, and he was like, "I think you got play." <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so what's the core concept of this list? Because this looked like an amalgamation of bad units until it actually went on the table and people right. saw what. It and then do. by the time we got to LVO, and that's what we'll focus on, right? Tyranid's got a whole new detachment, so I could actually get a third Flyrant. Yep. Um, and they got a troop choice 
the mucleid spore that was cheaper and funnier and fit what I was trying to do anyway. And what the what the list did was it broke the ITC missions down very well. In that turn one, you were never going to get uh, you weren't going to get kill points. You weren't yep. going to get first blood. First blood was really big because all I was deploying on the board was a bastion and like six units of spore mines and maybe a mucleid and these things didn't give up points so they couldn't they give never up, gave up points yeah they could never give up victory points um they couldn't do all these things and then i had at that point i cut down to six lictors and i had two tyrant guard because i always found that i was walking a lictor into the backfield anyway so the tyrant guard the two tyrant guards didn't actually attach to my flyrants except occasionally to get like a bonus couple wounds in the middle middle of a game i might move into them because i couldn't mm. fly away but they just they were actually my eighth lictors so i still had eight lictors in my mind because i could just reserve them and then walk in off the board edge yeah um and what those like, like, could do four, wins, they four could, wins of toughness five with good saves on an objective at the end of the day if you need to yeah they were t6 with you oh, know t6 cool. sorry yeah, yeah. yeah three up save they were they were they were tough lictors <laughs> they were tough mm. sons of bitches like <laughs> they were hilarious but what it did was we had random reserves back then so any of you have have only played in eighth and ninth where you're like oh yeah, my reserves come in whenever i want them to no that's not how it worked back then yeah you had to roll the dice and then things would scatter if you deep strike them all these kinds of things uh what was funny is I actually had I had this confidence. It was like a confidence play. People would be like, my Molochs don't, never hit anything. Well, one, I sometimes had Lictors on the board, which would allow the Molochs to deep strike in, automatically yep. land and decimate people. Um, in the first, first ever tournament of game I played with it, uh, my opponent had gotten Abaddon and eight Corn uh, Berserkers out of a Rhino and killed one of my Lictors, but the other one was still right there because they couldn't make the charge on him. And so the next turn, I dropped three Molochs directly on Abaddon's head, and he killed himself and all the corn berserkers. Yeah, yeah. So for people who don't know what Molochs used to do, it used to be back when we had templates, you know, the, the bygone era, the Wild West. Um, so a Moloch would bring, uh, would come up, would deploy with a, a strength six uh, AP two marker, AP two meaning that it went through everything, uh, including. Uh, Two plus armor save. You couldn't get a two plus armor save against it. You have to go to an inborn yeah. or feel no pain. And uh, it would come up and we place that where it wanted to be deployed. And then everything underneath it would take the hit. And then you would place it again if you could. If there was models in, uh, in the everything underneath it, you'd hit it again. And so with your three Morlocks, you could place six of those templates down, not with no scatter due to having a leak to close by. Yeah. And so and then on top of that, I think you. I think someone used to tell me used to pin people with um with uh, the horror. And then they could never move, and they'd be stuck there for like three turns of you being able to do this to them. Yeah, I would do interesting things. Um, I would spread spore mines all across the board sometimes if I didn't need them on the... If you didn't have enough shooting turn one to blow them off my um, comms relay, which allowed me to control the reroll reserves so I could get some of these things in when I wanted them. Um, it let me do stuff like that, and I would spread... Because that would how it, and that's how I would deal with knights a lot of times. I was just put yep. spore mines in their way, so they would just be yeah. like, "Well, I'm stuck here," and then I charge <laughs> this thing, and then I put another one in front of you. Yeah. Um, and it was just a very. If anybody who knows me knows I'm very aggressive. That's how I like to play 40k. And this list was super aggressive in hmm. things like because I'm going to put this. People are like, well, how are you going to hit it if there's no lickers? I'm be like. I'm gonna hope I roll a hit on this scatter dice, and yeah. it was it was a it was a karma thing. It was it was very funny because a lot of times I I would I would know what I, I would take the scatter dice and I'd be like, all right, I'm not feeling this one's gonna be a hit, 
And so I'd be like, all right, I'm going to do a spore mine first. And that would scatter. And then I'd be like, yeah. I'd do another spore mine, like it would scatter. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, two scatters in a row. We're definitely getting a hit this time. Now let's now do a walk. And I would put it where yeah. I was going and hit. And my opponent would be like, well, how'd you do that? I was like, well, I mean, eventually it's going to roll a scatter. It's going to roll a hit, right? Let's roll yeah. two scatters in a row. I'm feeling pretty good. The next one's going to be a hit. <laughs> this is this is the kind of superstitious stuff that used to be such a staple of the game <laughs> that we we kind of lost a little bit in eighth edition. Like, but like from from all the time I've played from fourth edition through to seventh edition, uh, it was always everyone always had their little superstitious weird ass thing that they believed. Oh, absolutely. And this is this is Sean Naden's one. If you're not feeling the hit. Roll, roll some other stupid stuff first. Roll the stupid the, stuff you first. Feel it. To, to the heart of the cards, the heart of the cards is placed right for you. <laughs> you get that hit. Um, but uh, so you you won the LVO that year. You just won the LVO that year. I did. Um, I I lost a game though. Interestingly enough, um, because back then you could you could lose a game yeah. and still make the top eight because mm-hmm. it was still nine rounds. Uh, they didn't add extra rounds because they wanted to have an undefeated person they added extra rounds because they wanted to be a nine round event and so i lost round three to nick rose who i then beat in the final there you go how did you so what was he running he was running and we were both getting like ragged on a lot at these event at this event he was running like 50 scouts from his imperial fist army at the time he still had he still had like some or it was blood angels one of the two but they were yellow i it smells like been blood angels, but um, because he had Mephiston, he had, you know, he still had a couple cents in the drop pod. But back then, it was like people were running Scent Star still. They were yeah. still running like teleporting Centurions, pumping out shots. Um, he had a small group of cents. Might have even been in a drop pod. Uh, if they could go, I don't know if they can go in drop pads, but he, or he just had a couple cents walking around. He had. But he had Lysander. He had so he mm. had some Imper- maybe Imperial and Blood Angels. Maybe it was a mix, and he had some other stuff. And so he had a really cool eclectic list. It wasn't very starry. It was it was based on MSU. My list was very MSU, mm. but around us there were still people running Demon Death Stars. Um, yeah. The Flyrant formation where you could take three Flyrants in one formation had just come out. So yep. there were a bunch of people running that. Some of them running that with demons. Um, Tyranids were very popular at event. There were, at this at this LVO, there was a lot of people running the what was that big Forge World thing? Um, I don't even remember. It was it was some big bug from Forge World. It was like oh uh, the so there's the Don there's the Don McCarron. There's the Hero Jewels. There's the no, Hero Hyrule. It was the Hy- the, sh- the shooting Hyrule. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, not the Hyrule. Whatever the smaller big one is. It's not yeah, the Hyrule Jules. The, the barbed or yeah. the, the barbed. Yeah, barbed, barbed <laughs> is the shooting one, right? <laughs> Whatever. It was it was called the trapdoor. Like back then yeah, we, yeah. we used to have fun list fun fun list names. It was the trapdoor spider list was the was the was the popular one. Jeff Robinson was running it, uh, rest in peace to my boy. But he was running that. There was a bunch of people running that. And do you remember D weapons, Adam? I do. I remember all sorts of D-weapons. So this was where yeah. it was funny, is a lot of D-weapons got banned from this event, except for the Eldar Lynx. It was the only, the last template D that was allowed. Isn't that like your whole army back then? No, like, the, no, because they still had like four Wave Serpents, um, oh, other geez. things, and this yeah. Lynx. And they would put it on... Um, a Sky Shield landing pad, so it would have a... Up, of course. Yeah. It would have a... It would have a Titan Hilo field save. It would have the the invul save. Like it was just like it was yeah. nonsense. It was like 
difficult to hit. And then several tier two players had to play it, and they were like, "Oh, I rolled a six against your bar power duel. It's gone." It, and yeah. Like, <laughs> Mm. So this happened to a bunch of Tyranid players. Tyranids actually had a losing record at the event. Jeez. But I managed to win it. <laughs> um, it certainly helped, actually. The semifinals, I actually played Tyler DeVries and, mm-hmm. and his links. Um, and it de-slapped two of my Molochs away, dead. Um, yep. And But I was like, but a Moloch is not an 800-point Hyrule. Uh, so. It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big difference. The table actually had terrain. It was the only table pretty much of the whole event that had a ton of terrain. Um, they had not, it was obviously the second year of the event, so they didn't have, they hadn't had enough time to really go uh, ham building terrain. Yeah. They, I don't think yet they even were producing their own terrain at Frontline yet. So they didn't have as much terrain at this event as they do in basically all future events. But I got to that table, that was the stream table. I got to that table. I mean, I knew who I was playing, I knew what I was playing, but I got to it, looked at it, and I was like, I just won LVO. Um, in the semifinals, <laughs> because the terrain was perfect, I was like, "What are you going to do? I've got. I'm going to have lictors and corners mm. and hiding." And I was like, "You can't do anything. You can't stop me in the, yeah. in this table." I was like, "It's it's over." And even though it had multi level ruins, I didn't care because the objectives were all on the bottom floor. Like uh, yeah. I was, I was not worried about it. At all. I was like, "If you were to hide up, then you weren't going to score points anyway." Mm. Um, so it really didn't. And we had a really fun game, but. Once I got to that table, I felt the I felt the event was over. Nice. That's an interesting. We might talk about that a bit more in part two. The kind of having the confidence in yourself and your own abilities that you know when you can not take a back seat and, and stop and, and like you, you can stop doing your head in over the outcome of a game. You can just go through the motions, t- let muscle, muscle memory take over, and you're pretty sure of the result. But we'll talk about a bit, that a bit more in part two. But like you coined a whole phrase, a whole term, like lick to shame the. Had shame ever been used on a list before? Because I'd never heard of a, a shame being attached to a list before until this one. I don't think so. Because and it, it was funny because I actually called my shot at the November event, the Eleventh Company. You remember Daka Daka? We ever a Daka Daka head? Did you ever go on that? Yes, yes, that absolutely. Forum, that forum of inequity. <laughs> Like, Literally, I just Googled uh, Adamantium Lance because I wanted to get that right. Because I was, I'm like, I swear it's the five, it's the five nights. And I Googled crazy. it, and yeah, Daka Daka results came up. I didn't find out. I, I didn't didn't bother. Oh, okay. it was taking, it was taking too much. <laughs> yeah, the results from Daka Daka came up, and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not going there. That's the <laughs> that's the wasteland. <laughs> it is the wasteland. But uh, there was a big tyranny threat, and um, it was you know there were people pop in. It was like hundreds and hundreds of posts, and I posted mm-hmm. up my list before that Eleventh Company event, and I was like. What do y'all think about this list? And the the number one poster, um, JY2 at the time was his handle. We actually he was the he was like, Oh, I don't think there's enough in this list. It's too much fluff. And then I won the event and he screenshot screen grabbed the list month like a like a month later, pulled it back in the thread and like, Tyrion's just won a fucking GT. This is a list. Mm-hmm. We all trashed it. It's back. Like we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> good, well, good for him for going back on his on his word. Most most people on the internet do not do that. <laughs> no, yeah, and he was really, really nice guy. We actually played at that the LVO because he's a West Coaster. We played, nice. and he was he was um, he felt five flyers was uh, the unbeatable list for Tiernan at that point. Yep. I was I was only running three, and we played, and I thrashed him. Like I, I set a trap. He went for the trap, and then I thrashed for it. And yeah. he was like, I for because we had um, psychic scream was a psychic power we could get, and I yeah. rolled it on all or all three of my flyers rolled it. 
Because remember back then, you couldn't pick psychic powers. You had to actually do what the rule book says, where it's like, roll for your psychic powers, or now it says, or pick them. Back then, it did not pick them. (laughs) Um, And I put one Lictor in my Bastion on the board, because I was like, and I flew, I started my Flyrence on the board. I had first, I flew off the board. So now I know they're all coming back in turn two. And I I left the Lictor there being like, he's going to think first blood is important to winning this game. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it is in the ITC at that point. He's going to come for this Lictor. And he came for it with like four of his Flyrens. I was like, oh my God. So he kills the Lictor, blows up the Bastion with his Haywire and stuff, and he kills the Lictor. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So then I Vector Strike, Vector Strike, Vector Strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I could get literally Psychic Screams to hit three of his Flyrens at once. And I'm like, and... Shadows of the Warp, which lowers his leadership, makes my psychic power more effective. Yeah. Affects him, and he completely forgot about that Shadows of the Warp from enemy Tyranids would affect his own Tyranids. Mm. And so I blow up, and all of a sudden, his five flyer advantage, the three flyer advantage is gone. And yeah, and it's, <laughs> now, it's now like what? Now we have like the same amount of flyerins, except I have more ground troops than him. He's got like one Moloch to my three. He's, you know mm. what I mean? And, like, I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. He's like, my Moloch's never hit anything and proceeds to not hit anything with his. I was like, cool. Have you seen my Moloch's? And then I do <laughs> my whole shtick where I'm like, scatter spore, scatter spore, Moloch, 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 Moloch. And I'm like, yeah. oh Jesus, that makes Moloch's way better when you hit every time. <laughs> when you hit it every time. Uh. <laughs> so it was, it was fun because we got to do the, whatever, the fight for the tiered soul where like, which one of us mm. is the best tiered list? And <laughs> That's good. That's good. So this is the first time I can remember. Uh, I was in. I was in Australia. I wasn't playing tournaments. I was barely playing 40k. I was playing fantasy most of the time. This is the first time I can remember a list catching fire so hard that everyone thought that they could, and everyone thought they could play it, and then no one else won an event with it. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't believe anybody else won an event with it. Yeah, it's like you you picked your shot, exact moment, perfect timing. No one was ready for this list. Clubbed with it, and then you're like, never played it again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you, knew, you knew when to drop it, when to get off the good thing. Because um, it's not a list that didn't have doesn't have hard counters and can't be pulled apart. But the fact is, when no one sees it coming, it was phenomenally strong. Yeah, and Necrons came out with their codex. It wasn't legal that LVO. Yeah, and Necrons were a super hard counter for the list. And then the Decurion came out following that, and the whole world changed. Yeah, yeah, um, the whole world changed shortly after that. But it, yeah. when it hit for that six month period from November to February, it was exceptional and um mm. i felt like i could play anything beat anything um and i, I had a ton of fun and I, lictors are one of my favorite models in 40k and yeah <laughs> uh, i don't know how it was funny because actually adam what was even more funny is lictors sold out off ebay and off gw worldwide yeah. next week like within mm-hmm. a day or two of lvo they were sold out and i was like i did that I sold you. Yeah. I sold out. <laughs> Where's my cut? Nah. But that, yeah, that, that's also, I mean, that, ha- that happens every time a new, a new codex gets released now. Like a swathe, of, a swathe of models or whatever gets sold out. Like you can't buy Sangri Guard. You, when the Sisters codex came out, you couldn't buy any of the new Sisters kits. They just sold out. Uh, but that's the first time I remember G-Dub selling out of anything. And I'm sure it's happened before and, and it would happen since. But that was the first time I ever noticed it. Now, we're going to take a little ad break because we've just covered the first of six LVO perennial top eights. And this one, this is the one where you won. So you started at the top. Hasn't been much of a decline. Has been a decline. Hasn't been much of one. Steady. (laughs) The years take a toll. The miles, they show. Uh, But we're going to take an ad break. We're going to, you're going to hear some wonderful people do marketing through the Frontline Gaming Network. And we'll be right back with the second LVO. We're going to paint the picture around that one and see how Mr. Naden did. Be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. And we are back. Still got Mr. Naden here. Still here. He's still Mr. Naden. Anyway, second LVO. So we're two years into 7th edition now. The world is a little crazier. People have decurion detachments, these super detachments they can build into, which I personally loved. I didn't love how strong they were or how much they changed the game. But the idea of it, I, I was in love with. Mm-hmm. Like I was, a, I was a guard player at the time. So I didn't have much to sink my teeth into. Actually, it was trash. But I loved it anyway. Like, you know, I got into it. Yep. So second LVO. Um, yeah, like you said, there was the parking lots of Space Marine players where they had free transports. That was very popular. Yeah. Warp Spiders were the strongest probably list but they weren't the most popular list there was a couple yeah was that the 60 wolf spiders yeah something like that uh alex harrison who surprised will no one if you know who won the lvo he did win lvo that year he was running it he had the forge world skatach wraith knight that was really good they could teleport and do things he had a fucking ton of warp spiders mm-hmm. i own warp spiders i'm not <laughs> yeah. a player how what many did you take how many do you think were in my list 40 five <laughs> balls okay <laughs> but you, you had the you still had the wraith knight didn't you uh i did not have that either uh <laughs> well, you didn't have any race i thought you had one race knight. never mind might be a different year different year you're, you're getting your years mixed up um, never mind no i had i so what happens for me with lists um at this point i'm still not the painter i am that doesn't happen till the next year i uh, don't the next year after year and a half after this i make a more of a jump into the paint paint game where i to get to kind of where i am now but at this point i'm still doing things with lists where i kind of transition you can you know, we can look back on the uh, the lictor shame list i was playing b star i added some lictors to a b star list then i played lictor shame right so you fast forward to right after that part of lictor shame and, and winning that uh, that november tournament not so much the ldo tournament was actually the november tournament winning it qualified me for my first etc um nice so coming off lvo um we win i win lvo that year we win the adepticon team championships that year me kurt we win the atc the american team championships the year before as well um the summer before and then we skipped the we skipped defending that title to go to the etc um that year for the first time um my history when i'm not captain of the etc and still kind of when i'm captain of the etc is <laughs> i get scraps i get scraps for lists adam i get i get the scrap <laughs> you're a hunter <laughs> so a gatherer. Like, cool cool you get tyranids and um there's probably a couple other codexes left so i'm like shit okay cool i can't play lictor shame at the etc um it's already past its prime it's already done yes it's, but I come up with a three flyer on three Moloch corpse thief claw list for the ETC. So that's that is back to where you started. You started with Dark Eldar Nids, and then a year, more than a year later, you're back at Dark Eldar Nids. Yes. Um, so I've got these five Talos, you know, backed up by triple Moloch, triple flyer mm. running around. Incredibly, incredibly durable, incredibly explosive at the same time as well. 
Yeah, and they have this really funky, cool rule where when they kill something in combat, they get a mission point. Yeah, like, for, for whatever reason, they just get whatever a point. They, Even they, if it's not kill points, they just like, get a kill point. Or and it's not even, no, they get a maelstrom point. Is what it's really in most mission packets is what it was applied to. Um, so fast forward, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. I think I'm going to bring the corpse leaf claw to LVO. I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, I love Talos's; they're one of my favorite models of all time. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to just I'm just run this. So I ran it with Eldar. I had thought about adding some Tau at the time into it as well, but instead went for two Eldar detachments and the corpse leaf claw because at this point we've gone to triple detachment um, as 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 a, as a rule. And so I've got these, I think I had a formation with some swooping hawks and some, my five warp spiders, which I made my warlord so that I could just hide him in the corner and do warp spider things and never give up warlord, which is important at ITC at the time. Um, warps. And then at that time we were playing still, we had primary and secondary and then first blood, slay the warlord, line breaker. And that was how you won an ITC mission. I think primary was worth five, secondary was worth four, and then there's those three things oh, for, yeah. for a total of whatever that is, 12. Was it, 12 was a max score at the time. And so a lot of games would come down to, I got primary, so I abandoned secondary, you got secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, abandoned primary, and then you, you clinch it with the, the tertiaries. And the, the person who got primary, if they get more tertiaries than you, they win, blah, blah, blah. So... If I get any kills with the corpse leaf claw, it's going to Maelstrom. It's going to that secondary. So secondary is really easy for me. Mm. Um, yeah. So then you would always, you'd always try and play the secondary. You'd be like, oh, Maelstrom, the, the primary, just deny your opponent, invest heavy in the secondary. And you're already killing stuff, so already playing into first blood and warlord yeah, anyway. So I had, a, I had the void shield generator, which was popular at the time. I had, Yuck. I had a single, I had a single warp hunter as a, as a little forge world thing. It's probably the last time I ran a forge world model actually <laughs> but <laughs> yeah because then because as as you know until actually um the future now that we live in forge world was banned at the etc so i would try not to play with it all year because i was i didn't want to uh, same know, here like i wouldn't want to find it i wouldn't want to i couldn't use at the exactly i would i didn't want to discover a crutch i'm gonna miss later so i'll just exactly. just remove that from my mind yeah it doesn't exist it doesn't exist yeah. but at the time um i was using it i was using the warp hunter i was using the corpse leaf claw and so I would use the Warp Hunter to open things up, and then the Claw would stumble around with its poison shots and be like, bam, 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 yeah. bam, and then, and then <laughs> fight some people in combat and auto-win the secondary. So if I, if I would win the primary, I knew I was going to win the secondary, and then the game would be over. Um, and so I had a lot of fun with that. I played a bunch of... I actually, at this LVO, I played... My first two LVOs, I played the same player twice at both of them. Um, I played Nick Rose twice in the first one, and I played my good friend Alex Fennel twice in this one. We drew both times, but the second time, because we were in the top eight, you went to victory points, which you didn't do yeah. in, in the in the first part. So I was able I was able to win. Um, so both very close games because obviously when you're playing a buddy that you play all the time that you play test against, they know your ins and outs. You know mm. you, you focus ex- you know exactly what you have to focus on to try and win the game. And you know it's easy to deny. So we we had we had those tough games with him and his pink crons. You know, <laughs> classic. Uh, he was probably rocking what a, a lich star with a Jakurian around it. Probably, or he he loves destroyers. So I think it was probably very destroyer heavy as well. Destroyer cult on yeah. There was a there was a great formation for them as well. Um, but where did you end up in that LVO? 
So I, I work my way through in the top eight. I beat Alex in round one. And then I beat uh, Steve Sisk, who actually was also coming off back-to-back top eights. Um, with it, And he had the Space Marine formation. So in round two of the top eight, so the top four, we play. And we have a barn burner of the game. He, I think, seizes on me and does and blows up my Warp Hunter turn one. And I'm like, brr, brr, brr. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, and we got shit all over the board, but again, because I was remembering some stuff, I picked up, I think first blood to start that game. So once I had first blood, I knew how I had like that in the pocket. And then I walked through his army with the corpse thief claw. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Get to your here. Like- and I kill, I'm like, here's the master points. Boom, 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 boom. And yeah, we're yeah. like keeping track of all that. And so at the end of the game, I'm like, I, I, I win. And he's like, what and so we were like math math check check double check double check triple check triple check and i win and he's like oh uh, and i'm like of course the car has gone <laughs> yeah so for those who don't know the, so the old space marine decurion was a what we called a battle company which meant you just had to take a crap load of space marines but if you took a crap load of space marines as in like a bunch of tact bunch of tactical bunch of salt marines bunch of devastators yeah, it was like you, you, all you got- filled like the whole slot up basically. yeah you all got free transports. So everyone got rhinos and drop pods and razorbacks for freaking free. And so, but that means in this matchup against Sean, he has tons of MSU kill points for Sean to pick up with a corpse thief claw. And apart from smashing you with grav cannons, he doesn't really have a, a response in melee unless he's invested in a sense star or something of that ilk. Um, so yeah, I, good matchup. Good matchup on paper. Just because you had tons of ways to, to rack up points over him. But uh, so, where did you end up overall? Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was still a tough game. He had that early momentum, but I was able to fight it back. And then, so I end up in the final verse. So this is a second LVO, second top table in a row, second top eight in a row. I'm like, man, this is easy, guys. What the heck? Why is everybody doing this? <laughs> um, and Alex and I have a barn burner of a game because this is I know it's bad. Harrison, I played Kurt. Harrison has, yeah. I'm like, I, in my head, I can't win. Like, to start this game. I'm like, unless some, like some stuff goes my way and I had a couple things go my way. Um, I war puntered out his warlord. I scattered the, the hole right over the head of his guy. He fails to look out, sir. I D slap his own arc. Um, so I get slay the warlord. He's never going to get slay the warlord, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then our game comes down to, um, we're up. We still at this point don't have chess clocks or anything in 40 K yet. Yep. But they're on a live broadcast, and they're like, at the end of the game, they're like, guys, we have to finish this for our scheduling. You guys have to be done, blah, blah, blah. At this at this time, you both have like 10 minutes left or something like that for your last turn. Um, or they're like, or like they say, like, our last two turns, we only get 10 minutes for each or something like that. So like, yeah. my corpse leaf call has, I outflanked it because I knew the spiders could kill it super easily, and it's been mm-hmm. working its way towards his army, and it keeps failing charges, like long charges. Yeah. And so my second to last turn, I have this thought. I'm like, the front guy is hurt. I was like, I should just run this turn because I'm not going to make this charge anyway. Put him in the back because back then, remember, it was just the closest always takes Close damage. Model. You could shuffle around the wounds. Yeah. Shuffle him around to keep wounded guys safe. I was like, maybe that's what I do. And then, but I was like, I gotta make this charge. I got to. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was behind on the game, um, and it turns out I wasn't very much behind. But you know, during the game, I don't really calculate score. It's something that um, I love. Some of these new things that are 
digitally doing it for you because I don't personally do it when back we're in pen and paper world. So I actually don't know what the score is. I'm just playing on feel like, yeah. all the time. I don't actually know what the score is. I just am like just playing and trying to play 40K well. And hopefully the score will work its way out. If I had stopped to think about the score, I would have gone through with that and moved the guy to the back and played. So I fail the charge again. And then the next turn, he kills the front guy. And what happens because of that is I dropped from three to two, which dropped me below half. Because um, then at the end of the game, because I had that warlord and neither one of us had first blood, because back then you could only do it on the, the first turn. Mm-hmm. I was, and I won secondary, obviously, because I have the corpse. Yeah. Um, we tied. We tied this game. Oh. And we went to victory points. And I lost by like 90 victory points. But that uh, unit, if I had shuffled the guy to the back, I win LVO again. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's how close my second but, championship would have been. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. And it, it, for those those who, who might, not be, might be new to the scene, this is not unusual. This is very, 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 this is something that happens very often. The, the likelihood of getting a close, uh, of getting like a huge one way or the opposite way swing on a top table, like an LVO, a Depticon, a CanCon, um, things like this is actually more unlikely than you'd think. You'd think, oh, someone's just going to rock, paper, scissors their way to the victory. It's very rare that happens. More than likely, you get absolute killer, top table, magnificent freaking games, which is what sounds like this is. But you mentioned something there that I might we might uh, touch on briefly now. You went into that game thinking you'd lost it, which is such a juxtaposition to what you went into the, the last final of the LVO you went into when you went in thinking, saying, I've already won this event. Yeah, no, it totally is. And we can circle back to that and that thought process. And it's not something where I'm saying that I'm not going to play. Yep. I'm going to try to win. And I don't know that my opponent, and based on how Alex acted in that game and the way some of the things he choices he made, he, I don't think, knew quite how much he should have been an advantage. But um I mean the spiders the spiders were broken at that point. That um, was ridiculous. You I mean, could you the, so for those for those of you who don't know, when you try to shoot Wolf spiders, they got to move. When you tried to charge wolf spiders, they got to move. When you, when the wolf spiders wanted to move, they got to move. And they were always moving uh, jump pack distance. So it's always 2d6 at a time, yeah? yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, it's so, just when you shot them. But it, if, if, you land, if you put them near walls, they basically became unshootable. Because yeah, they, so they, they always fire and faded. Wall. They fire and faded reactively through walls when you tried to shoot them. It was so frustrating. It was so monstrous. Well, and on top of that, they they had strength six guns that wounded against opponent's initiative. So yes. Corpse Thief Claw, which is T7... Initiative two. Initiative like four, they get wounded on twos. And yeah. so he could just basically be like, well, they're all dead at any time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hence you have to leave it off the table. Really interesting though. So that was your second one. Uh, and so you came second overall? Or did that loss drop you down a few? No, no, no. I finished second. Uh, LVO <laughs> and a lot yeah. of these big events. When you make it to the top table, you're never going to not finish second. I I like that. I wish that was something more adopted more wholesale. If you've if you've busted your guts and won X amount of games to get to a top table, you should be playing for first and second. Yeah, um, the, uh, yeah. I, admittedly, like that does feel worse for the guys on the next table down who might be just behind you playing for third and fourth. But it is what it is. I think if you're well, on I mean, the top table, and especially at LVO now, it's single elimination in the top eight. Yeah, so um, it's not it's not a thing for actually, LVO. And actually, actually I think it was at that point too. Like nobody was playing behind you, so there was there was no chance to play for thir- to to catch. Yeah, you, you would have played a less game. Oh. I, 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 something WTC I think should do because then I'd be I'd be a, I'd be a, a runner up at WTC <laughs> instead of being a, a fourth placer. Um, but anyway, 
Uh, on to LVO number three. And we're only halfway through this. This is We're not even halfway through yet. LVO number three. We've still got three more to go, which is probably going to be in part two. But LVO number three, this is the last one of seventh edition, right? Or yeah. just the first of eighth? Yeah, it's the last of seventh. This is the last of seventh, so... Um, and this is this we is are, absolutely... we are at peak seventh that oh. everything loves. At this, <laughs> this is the so for those who don't know, this is essentially the yuckest the game has ever been. Yuckiest. This last six They're... months is the yuckest the forty k <laughs> has ever been. Their stock is at its all time low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's like it feels like you're playing Magic the Gathering, and not not so much of the gameplay, but it feels like a deck builder. You can do anything when you build your army and because oh of that and it's an absolute mess we have cycled back to max it there's 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 several types of builds now but it's yeah. it's max nonsense war convocation is really popular yep. there is uh the curian is still really popular but a little left wing is um, right up there Riptide wing is rampant um but more so than that even is death stars are back you've got the bark bark yeah. star with the yeah. you have know, 40 50 Thunder Raising Wolves. Thunder Raising mm. Wolves. Oh, let's stack every kind of buff we want on it. <laughs> we take Azrael from Dark Angels, and now they have four of Invol. We put we'll space characters in it. Yeah, we put yeah. character in it. We put Psychic in it. We make Celestine it in it. We do this. It has yeah, yeah. On. Oh, by the way, did you think it, did you know it also does this? And you're like, ugh. So, it's literally, you had to come with like an Apple Apple's terms and conditions worth of information to give to your opponent before the game. And, oh, did you know? Oh, did you know? Did you know? I oh, didn't. You oh, you didn't get to read all my broke ass stuff. You never heard of. Oh, I think they so banned the gnosis powers at this event. Um, oh, the one where you could move terrain pieces and stuff. Could, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you could put your imperial knight on a piece of terrain, then pick the terrain up and move it twenty four inches <laughs> and charge somebody with your imperial knight. <laughs> Like I think that stuff all got banned because back then GW wasn't fixing the game. Um, yeah. If you, don't, if you don't, the blessed light of eighth and ninth edition, where GW has actually fixed problems in a, a a timely manner, this did not exist at this time. When something was broken, it was broken until it was gone, and it was <laughs> broken for a long time. Um, so ITC was like actual governing body where. When you went to an ITC run event, they had things you had to look through in their FAQ to see what was legal because they would actually yeah. ban things. Like, yeah, and, and they had to. There was no choice. Like the game was barely functional, um, and without functional. things, without things like the ETC and the ITC actually making active changes, that no one would be, no one would have been playing the game. Everyone would just be like, ah, oh, cool. Here's, here's your tournament of four guys who just bring the dumbest stuff imaginable that no one wants, and no one else wants to play against. Yeah, so run up into the event, and this is this is part of like why I've always felt that really good at LVO in the past, um, and every year until actually last year, um, this is what I've done. I go to like four or five events, like almost every week heading into LVO. Mm, like yeah. at the time, I was like. Uh, first week of January, I was I went to Virginia for a GT. Second week of January, I went to Ohio for a GT. Third week of January, I went to this RTT. Uh, blah blah blah. The next week um, was LVO. This this is like uh, what I would standardly do. Uh, a lot of the year, I'm super busy at work. The winter, I've always been less busy at work. I work outside. Uh, winter, it's cold, snowy. We don't do as much work. So in the while in the summer, I don't maybe play at all, and it's why um, I haven't been to Nova in years. Well, in the winter, I play 40K. <laughs> and so yeah, you're, you're actually a seasonal gamer, aren't you? Yes, um, I'm a seasonal gamer. So like the winter, I'd be like jonesing. And at the time, I had no I had no child, so I could do these things. This changed, obviously, for year six, Delvio. But um, at this time, I'd be like, hey, babe, 
you won't see me the next five weekends <laughs> or something like yeah. that. And Anything you got in your diary? I will be traveling it. up and down the coast. Um, so it was, and it's funny. It's um, this this year was the first year, I think. Uh, again, this is year three. So this is the first year the ITC is actually something that us East Coasters are thinking about. Um, I've done the math. Uh, Matt Root has won most of the Midwest events on the year. The big West Coast events. He's got a huge lead. Um, almost insurmountable. If he makes the top eight, I can't win the ITC. Um, but I'm also thinking, heading into the event. Um, it's funny, like I said, I go to those four events. At those four events, I actually play funky ass lists and <laughs> fall in love with this list, by the way. Five Riptides in a Riptide Wing. <laughs> Corpse Thief Claw. Yeah. And three squads of sisters of silence to shut down psychic Everybody powers else. that yeah. was the list it was like 10 big models and 15 sisters <laughs> and that was yes. the whole list so I, the prem- premise I, would I, be I, the, the course face claw would body block and defend the riptides from anything in combat or just run up and smash face and the riptides would pick their moment and okay. double shoot and win the game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and while I couldn't, I didn't have units all over the board to do Maelstrom, the Corpse Thief Claw would cover that by yeah. doing some kills. Yeah. Um, and it, it was funny as fuck. And obviously those those stars that were running around with all these psychic powers, the Sisters of Silence would turn that off. They would turn mm-hmm. it off, and then the you know the Riptides would shoot you, and then the Corpse Thief Claw would charge you, and sh- shoot you and charge you. And, and it, was, it was fun as shit. I had a lot yeah, of fun. Because yeah. at, at this point, you had that, you know, that, that box that we were talking about. It would have... You don't hit it on sixes because it had in, in, um, invisibility. It would have endurance, so it, it would be um, eternal warrior. So you couldn't double out the characters, and it would have a four plus feel no pain from yeah from endurance. It would be iron armed. It would be everything. It would be toughness six and yeah. all these crazy things. And the Scissor Silence was there, had only just come out then, and so they were a really elegant way of just if they try and move into you, double move them out, turn off the powers, and then bang, start eating away at the star. So yeah, that well, sounds pretty good, man. And had I brought that list, I think I would have done equally as well. Um, would have had the same options to win the event that I that I had with the list I brought. But two weeks before the event, I realized, oh, I'm in second place and don't have max events attended oh. for best Eldar. Yep. That list we just described was by points. At that point, it was still your whatever your points in your highest attachment. It wasn't a pure yeah. concept. It was going to be Tau. It was going to be Tau. I was like, yeah. well, I have no events, or I have like three events with Tau. Like, I don't have enough events with Tau. Like, I'm not going to win anything with going with Tau. I was like, and my, my, and this is actually a general philosophy of mine. And it's also why I've put in, um, right around this time in my life, this third LVO, I'm also starting to watch tons of tutorials on painting, up my painting game, buying an airbrush, painting more and more and more, getting that part of the game. I don't like to go to an event without the max chances of walking out with a prize. You know why? Because my wife. <laughs> brags me if I don't come away with like a trophy, like brags me out. Like she is famous. Um, her Twitch handle is Trophy Wife, and she will get on wow. Twitches if I'm on Twitch and be like, Are you "Winning? No. Oh, he sucks." Like this is this is what I come <laughs> home to. So, um, <laughs> so like this is and this is something I, I profess to people all the time. This is this is a this is a core philosophy I have for 40k. When you reach the top of the tower and you are the best 40k player you can be. The best loss rate that you can hope to achieve is a one loss average. You will lose 
one game at every yeah. event you go to on average. Absolutely. Right? Because there's only going to be you can't beat that. Right? Yeah. There's only going to be one because undefeated. If you went undefeated for like three events, the second you lost one, well, now your average is one loss. Like yep. that's just just yep. just it. It just round up and like the best you can ever achieve is a one loss average. So every once in a while, with some luck um, on the day, not luck so much as dice, but luck in pairings, luck in you know how you feel, what your mental state is, your hydration, your 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 nutrition, your fitness. You'll go undefeated and you'll win a GT. Once you are that person that is a one-loss average person, you have everything in you at that point to win a GT. But you're not going to win every one of them. It's just not going to happen because there's a bunch of other people that are also that good. And maybe their list is better that day. Maybe they, you know, don't care about painting as much and, you know, change their list the night before to be the best possible thing it could be. You know, yeah. um, you know there, there's all kinds of factors that go into winning a tournament. Um, it's not chess. It's not always no, it's not. that you're the best player. Um, yeah. Um, the best players don't always win at chess. You know, sometimes they're tired. Sometimes they're sick. Sometimes they drank too much the night before. Sometimes it's just all, there's so many factors into everything. So I tell people always go giving yourself the best ability to win as many prizes. If there's multiple prizes, LVO has a lot of prizes. Huge, huge amount of prizes. Huge yeah. amount of prizes. So, uh, if you're a five and one player, come with a fucking top tier painted army. If you can't mm-hmm. paint that well, spend some fucking money at a commission painter when <laughs> they paint it. Just so, you, just so you all know, I've put zero. I've not worded Sean up about swearing on our podcast at all. I'm just letting him roll, guys, and we're gonna let's keep letting him roll. <laughs> Continue, sorry, man. But but seriously, right? If if you are consistently a five and one player, come with some pretty stuff. That's. Yeah. Do you know what that does? I win. I go five and one at most of the events I go to. The last yes. couple of years that I've upped my paint ability, I walk out with Renman at. I went on yeah. a streak. I won two straight Renmans at LVO. Yeah, uh, like and in that time, also one went at Adepticon with the same army. Like that's big ass prize. Like that used to be GW's top prize. Like <laughs> it did. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so those, people, who what, those who don't know what Renman is, Renman is literally the best player with the prettiest army. Like literally, it boils it down to that. You, you're also combo. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who the guy who had the best painted army in the top of the of the event. But um, yeah. so I, I, I value I value Ren. I, I, I won a Ren man at a at a CanCon, and on the way home, the guys I was on the in the same car as a guy who came second, third, and, and fourth, and they both said I would rather have that prize than than second place. And I was like, really? I'd right. rather have second place. I'll trade you right now because I didn't know better. I didn't know better. But man, Ren man, I love Ren man. I think Ren man's my favorite my favorite award apart from first. But uh, so that what did you end up taking to the LVO? So I realized I had to play Eldar. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because you already you already factored in you couldn't win the ITC. Root Root was pretty much going to win it as long as he didn't completely spud. Well, th- uh, well this is the thing. I still would want to win the event, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The still had to be good. Um, I had no control over winning the ITC if Root makes the top eight. So, I mean, can I still win the ITC? Yes. Can I still win LVO? Yes. But I also need to be participating to beat Matt Shuckman for best Eldar. Um, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, true. Yeah. had to be. Um, because again, I wanted to walk out with the most chances. Like I was like, all right, cool. If I finish top eight and he's top eight, at least I'll win best Eldar most likely because yeah. most people aren't going to take Eldar to this event. So I brought, instead of five Riptides, I brought three. Um, instead of three Sisters of Silence, I brought one. And I brought a couple units of Jetbikes, a couple of Farseers, uh, a bunker with an escape hatch so I could throw those mm-hmm. sisters forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... 
I had because it was a couple months before the event, GW unlocked everything. Cause like I had thought like, cause a new Eldar codex had come out and be, be between that time. And they said, Oh no, all supplements are still active. Like they literally in seventh unlocked everything that existed. Yep. So yep. I went with the Inyadin supplement to make a warlord Wraith Knight that was a character and could have a warlord trait. And yep. they had a custom warlord trait tree and two of them were really, really good for a Wraith Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So that's what I went with. I went with attempting to counter your stars by turning off your psychics and then making my Wraith Knight maybe invisible with fortune. And yep. it had a shield and sword. And sword had D was a D weapon. D and weapon. I could challenge your characters. <laughs> and then stomp out everything else. And then since it. a lot of people were running Space Wolf some people were running Space Wolf characters. And so uh, to counter your star, I was like, all right. I'm going to go in with the Wraith Knight and maybe a unit of jet bikes. And then I'm going to challenge and Space Wolves had to accept challenges. So you would yeah. now your star, which had Monster Hunter, had all these things where they could kill the Wraith Knight, could not now fight the Wraith Knight. Yeah. And he could in turn de-weapon out your Lord and stomp his way stomp. through your star. Yeah, so good. So good. <laughs> What was your run that year like? Did you did you face any hard because because there were some hard counters to things like Wraith Knights. Everyone was like pretty scared of him for a while, and same with Riptide Wing. So were people really counted against you, or did you get a clean run? Um, I had a decent run. I think one of my tougher games was maybe like a guard artillery guard list. It was like a guard list that was that was funky and had some Space Marines in it. I think in yep. round either five or six, five actually five, and then I think round six I played one of your boys from down under um with his demons yep, yep. i might have and, been uh, hayden walduck or was that kieran howard i know there's a couple of guys who went over but never mind you go yeah, yeah. And I, I knew it was an aussie we had a lot of fun um and, and he had big monsters he had a screamer star but because but the wraith knight is was a, like a was a scary to yeah. him yeah, and he missed first blood because he deep struck in a chariot, and it scattered behind this wall, and he couldn't see the sisters to flame them. Mm. Um, and so I got first blood in turn the next turn, which was the just then the deciding factor in our game yeah. at the end. Um, so it, it was it was really tight, really fun game, and then I made the top eight again. Yep. Um, and this is where things went sideways. <laughs> Who'd you play first in the top eight? Um, I played Root, and I had played this match a uh, bunch of times, and yeah. I destroyed Warcon, and I, I feel like yeah. I would destroy it every time. <sighs> I was in a major. This is this is honest. This is story I don't think I've ever told on broadcast before. There I was a major go. quandary. I was in a major quandary at the time. Um, Root had qualified for Team USA. I was on Team USA, and but you know who hadn't qualified for team usa that year um and hadn't been picked uh mr nick Nadabadi, who yep. was uh one of my very close friends and i knew that one of the other players in the top eight needed to win the itc in order to financially attend so i knew that as long as root passed me and beat me he would win the ITC and then Nick could be on the team. Okay. And now I did not throw the game. I played the game to try to win, but I made several choices to start the game that 
put me in a bad foot and did not give me. Yeah, I I literally, Adam, rolled everything to make this game impossible to lose. I rolled fortune and invisibility. I had the roller trait that was start that was start with fortune. I rolled and won the roll to go first turn, Mm. and I let I let Rue go first. So I I think I. Everybody at home, uh, do not misconstrue what Sean just said, as in he threw a game or he, he, whatever. He's saying that he went in with a compromised mindset in that he had a factor sitting in the back of his mind that gave him an incentive to not do his best. Whether that affected his mindset or state or not, um, I, I think he already told you it didn't. But he said, like, those things settle in the back of your mind. And at a top table game, like in the ITC at the LVO, that does have an impact, doesn't it? Yeah, and I should have chosen to go first. I was like... I'm going to let him go first and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I thought my stuff was hidden behind this wall. And he's like, no, I can see it. And I was like, okay, sure. And then he blows up the warp hunter, blows up my night spinner. And mm. I was like, Hmm, that's bad. And then when I rolled psychic powers on turn one, I, I had fortune. Like I said, already on my work the semi fortune that, that was the time. It was like, until you take your first wound. And I rolled psychic powers and I'm like, oh, fortune, and then pass. And I was like, no, I meant for that to be invisibility. But at the time, I, and I don't really take too many take backs, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, don't worry, I'll just roll invisibility. Then I fail invisibility. Yeah. So, and then those two factors went down the tube. And then the Wraith Knight dies, blah, blah, blah. You know, things, and the rails go off. We still have a tight game that comes very close. But it, instead of it being a, if I go first, the Warp Hunter shoots at some of his Grav guys, blows up yeah. probably a bunch of them. The Night Spinner kills a couple more. The Wraith Knight's invisible, and he has less Grav than he started with. I run across the board. The Wraith Knight cuts the Imperial Knight in half, and blah, blah, blah. The game's over. Turn two. Instead, we that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so, um, and Root was a great, great opponent. Um, yeah. And uh, he did what he had to do, and he, he won the game. It's interesting um, how much of an impact those those things can have on you, those external factors. Um, and I'll, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more in part two. But yeah, thanks thanks for telling us that. Thanks, that's a cool story. That even, even like at a top table of someone of your caliber, um, just having not an ulterior motive because you said you said you did everything in, in order to win that game, but just having something in in your head that you can look back and say, hey, that actually did affect my performance. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Like Root says that he beats the list I had every time, hundred percent of the time. So I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Dude, I felt. I, I, those are my way. favorite. Those are my favorite matchups. Both players think they go in thinking like, "Man, I got the winning strat." Nah, well, I got the winning strat. Um, yeah. I love that. It's the so, best. Well, who, knows, who knows if it was a factor? But I, I think if I had gone, if I had not had that compromised mental state to knowing that, like, and in my head, who knows? Like, I, I, I guess in in theory, I was wrong on the math too. That that the other person could have actually won the ITC, um, flat out, even yeah, blah blah blah. But like in my head, I was like. It definitely affected my early game choices. And then by the time so many bad things had gone wrong, I couldn't dig my way out of it. No, totally fair enough. And really, really, really interesting. If I I cast invisibility, even with the compromised choices, I think the Wraith Knight just runs through his army. Like it was ridiculous Wraith Knight. Yeah, 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 dude. It was was a crazy ass thing. Um, But that that was the one that um, (laughs) where the final was uh, Brandon Grant versus Grant. Perkins, yeah, and Perkins had this the game. It didn't get out of turn oh, yeah, two. The stupid artillery army that oh. made GW cut templates. Thank God, but oh yeah, my, that army is so stupid. That, 
that game didn't. That, so the, I remember watching that game at home, being like, "This is a travesty." That the, the top tire, the top table game of probably the end of seventh edition at the LVO didn't didn't finish two turn turns two. Or something. two turns yeah. because it was like it was like literally like ninety minutes of uh, Perkins placing templates. You know, no, no, right. no. And that's why that's why I felt if I had gotten past Root, uh, Perkins couldn't beat the Wraith Knight in two turns. If he only played two yeah. turns, he wasn't going to beat Wraith Knight yeah. Riptide, and his artillery wasn't going to shoot through them that quickly. I was going to pick up MS. I'll be like. We play two turns, you lose. Like your screamer star wants nothing to do with an, a character Wraith Knight. Like yeah. he's just gonna be is... like D sword, D sword, D sword, yeah, D stomp, yeah. D stomp, D stomp. And then and this... against, I, I would have felt good against Grant with the Bark Bark Star with with those strategies we talked about because his characters yeah. couldn't refuse the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's exactly right. But this, this, yeah, that game is very pivotal for two reasons. First reason being that it killed templates, just killed them off as a facet of the game. Second one being it was the first time I heard public outcry for chess clocks, where the public, the 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 people who sitting at home watching were just like this wouldn't happen if we had a chess clock because that list that Perkins won, yeah, you know, no disparaging on him. Everyone was taking the broke ass stuff that they the most broke ass stuff they could find. Everyone was doing it. So no disparity on him whatsoever. He was playing the game to the best of his ability. But he would have he would have lost every game. He would have clocked out every game. Oh, at, least yeah. was non, at least was non-functional as soon as you add a chess clock. Uh, and, he's, he, and he's not the fastest person in the world anyway. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I've never met the bloke. I can't say anything. I can't say anything bad about him. And like I said, everyone was playing the, the most broke-ass stuff imaginable. So no disparity. Yeah, because I think him and Ganyu actually played that event. Like him and Ganyu played like identical lists at the same oh, event, like Yuck. against each other. Like, <laughs> oh, imagine that game. <laughs> yeah, turn one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, so that's that's three. Do we want to? We'll do we'll do the fourth here, and then we'll save the other. We'll save the last two, the most recent two for part two. But what's the, what's your fourth LVO? So that's so far what you came. Did you come eighth in that one, or was it or that seventh, sixth, fifth? Where did you come in that LVO overall? Um. It was probably, uh, fifth. I think I placed fifth because I came in in first place. Sorry, in the first I think place I placed place. fifth because I came in. Yeah, in first place. In first place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I, that's what I thought. I thought because there was some stuff like that um, where the the top eight finalists, like if you got knocked out, you could still get the eighth to fifth essentially. But um, your fourth LVO. So this is the first one of seventh edition. Sorry, first one of eighth edition. Apologies. Uh, this is also this is also a wild west. Wild west of different different reasons. Um, what are the, we got? Gilliman's out with with uh, storm ravens dominating. Uh, we've got malefic lords being stupid as well. Uh, this is this is a no, crazy I actually, time. I think all those. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think malefic lords have already received. No, you're right. I think it is just nonsense. We're still <laughs> at nonsense. Malefic lords were at Nova. They might have actually stopped. We might have been at beta um, smite at this point. I can't remember. Yep. I was in the or at least the lords may have gone up. No, no, it's, yeah, it's what, 8th edition. Yeah, what, what did you take, dude? Just uh, Oh, what did I take? I took... So, um, people remember that year for Nick Navati, Nick Navati winning over Tony Capando with identical lists. After Nick Nadavati beat Brad Chester with an identical list, um, and me being the weird Unari list in the top eight, and yeah. <laughs> the story of that I... is three weeks before LVO, those three people were in my basement and <laughs> for a whole weekend. <laughs> it's funny how this happens because the most recent LVO is essentially the same story. Essentially the same story. These three people were in my basement. Um, 
earlier that year in November, um, I was playing Eldar all the time. Uh, the codex had just come out. And Nick wanted to switch to Eldar. He 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 messaged me with his first list of ideas, and I was like, "Let me save you a bunch of time. All that's trash. Blah blah blah. Here's this." And then so cycle to earlier in January, we played a GT. We played the top table. No, not the top table. Second semifinal, and I beat him. And so he's like, "I need to fix my list. I need to be better to beat Sean." And so he comes to my basement. Uh, Grapondo comes to my basement. Bradchester comes to my basement um, for for a weekend because uh, people were at the same time picked to be on e- the. I was captain of the ETC for the first time, and yep. they were picked on on my team. Um, we spent the whole weekend trying to teach Tony how to play a chaos list while Brad and <laughs> Nick tried to perfect perfect their Eldar list. Um, then Tony loved their Eldar list so much and already had those models, didn't have the chaos models to make the list hap- happen that um, they all showed up to LPO with the same Eldar list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So much, so much so that Brad actually had to fix Tony's before round one. Cause he like didn't have the right, like warlord traits or things or cho- choices and relic stuff in his list, in his list at the time. So it was pretty funny um, that they all like, they came to this conclusion in the basement. Um, I, didn't want to use shining spears um and you know this i think well, this combined with liquid game begins people's perception of me that I, I won't play with something maybe that it's broken i'm gonna i'm gonna go my yeah. own way yeah um is that something that you attach to yourself or are you always just like i just play what i want and if it's if it's good it's good if it's not it's not um it is a bit of something i attach to myself too like in if you look at ninth um I've pl- I played Harlequins in every game of 8th edition. Uh, yep. I had at least a Harlequin model or a Harlequin yep. detachment when that became necessary in every tournament I've attended in 8th edition. Harlequins got really popular at the start of 9th edition. And I, I I almost I tried to stop playing Harlequins. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, crazy, um, crazy so town. It, crazy town, but yeah. Now, like, to that extent, because I put so much time into painting a lot of things, if I don't have something that I am equally inspired to paint and play with, then I still will end up playing something along those lines. Like I still played Eldar even when they were very popular in eighth, but I was doing it my own way. I mean, I love the Incarn. Just taking the Incarn is such a point sink that it, it changed your list drastically from yeah. everybody else's anyway. Um, all the time. So like I didn't I didn't feel bad. And people still looked at it as you're playing batshit crazy Eldar stuff. Like, what are you doing? Mm, yeah. uh, how are you winning? So what was your what was your eclectic mix? I mean, without the shining spears, you were still playing Yanari though, weren't you? It was still Yunari, because um, I'd loved, I'd fallen in love with the story of Yunari when they came out at the end of 7th. Um, I ran a way bad shit crazier list at Adepticon that year when they first came out with Tyranids and the Incarn. It was, it was yep. funny. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really funny when uh, there's 15 dumb Spormine units on the board that when they explode, the Incarn teleports over and punches up. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. But... Uh, by this point, I'm running. I had been running a single guardian bomb that I beat Nick with at that tournament, and um, we could still do all the crazy things where we could quicken and deep strike turn one. Um, so if you were Yunari with uh, their their move power, you could double move this unit of guardians, touch your opponent's entire army. Now all the yep. characters that I, I people know and love for could then just walk up the board, not being shot, and then go punch you and smite you and do all these things mm. to you. Um, Karn, I had Ivrain, I had a bunch of Warlocks, I had Farseers, I had uh, um, Morgan Ra, uh, you know, I had, but it, this LVO, it evolved to a second Guardian bomb. I had two units of Guardians. Um, some Dark Elder Warriors, some Swooping Hawks, 
things like that. That was that was what I was running. I had no Dark Reapers. I had no Shining Spears. Yep, I remember this one. And this is um, this is the year that Brant won, yeah. No, this is the year that um that Nick won. Oh, apologies. Yeah, sorry, got, got the wrong ones. But yeah, uh, sorry, I'm thinking about your next year's list because uh, you oh, you played janky Eldar for, for three years in a row for the for all of eight all of the eighth edition LBOs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. they all blend together. They all blend together. They're all some wonky ass, yeah, different ass bits and pieces. But um, how was your run this year? It was good. I um, I I had uh, we still would, we weren't that many people, so I had a round two draw with uh, Art of War member Alex McDougall, uh, the tiered man from from Canada, um, which is just how I say Canada. I think it, it sounds more fantasy Canadian. <laughs> You know, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we had a tie in the round two, and then so I fell into like the tie people pool, and um, I beat uh, Aaron A. Long in round six um, in a game. I'm not proud to say only went two turns. Okay. And uh, I'm ha- this, I'm very happy you I- said that on that on here, and you're happy to own that because that that, that happens to everybody. Um, it's my opponent actually forgot which who had top and bottom in those two turns, but uh, um, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> a judge came by at the end of the game and was like, What turn are you guys on? I was like, Two, we're on turn two, and I was very upset. And mm. <laughs> he's like, Yeah, we just did top of two, it's Sean's turn, and but like time was running out. I was like, Well, Sean, you can have bottom of two. And I'll, the judge was like, I'll let you have bottom of two, but you have to do you only you have like four minutes to do it. I was like, I had top. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I have, we just <laughs> bottom of two, and uh, I shouted that I'm winning by. I was like, I'm winning by a billion. I don't care. He's like, you're not winning by a billion. I was like, how much am I winning by? He's like, four. I was like, is the game over? Yeah, sounds like a billion. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. So, the, so you the, that's who you, you that was your game to get into the top eight. What was your run like there? Um. So my run there ended in the controversial. And I think part of that, part of the reason that we only played turn two uh, led to what happened next is Tony asked me to play with a chess clock, um, which I'm fine to do. I love it. I love yep. the clock. The clock is one of my favorite things in ever because I like to game like we talked about at the beginning of the game. I think the clock is a game. So I like to be winning on the clock as much as I'm winning on the table. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which is actually a good perspective to have, to be like, I want to be faster than my opponent. So the pressure of the clock is on them. Because even if you're both at like an hour and 10 minutes remaining, if you're an hour 11 and they're an hour nine, the, that that small medium of pressure is still placed on them. They are the one with less time than you. Yeah. So this game had some interesting things. Um that again, I don't. These are things I don't think I've ever talked about. Um, the center ruin, infantry were supposed to be able to go into it. Um, yep. This was it was a big it was a big deal um, at this time. They just starting to get some of their standardized terrain. Yeah. The judge before the round said, "Anything you can pick up off its base, you can go into." Our table was the only table that the ruin was glued down. Okay. And I said, "Wait, wait, wait." Our Am I supposed to be able to go in this? And Reese comes over and is like, yeah, you're supposed to be able to go in it. And Tony's like, but it's you can't lift it up. The, your head judge, who's in charge of this event, said, if you can't pick it up, you can't go in it. Mm-hmm. And Reese is like, it was supposed to be going up. but and, he's, and Tony was like, but it's glued down. He can't go in. 
And I was like, really, bro? And he's like, Sean, that's what the judge said. I was like, so I brought the judge over. The judge and Reese were like, I was like, can we four up it? And <laughs> mm. Tony won the four up roll. And there you um, go. I was, and I was like, and, and again, this this goes into some things. Again, I had picked Tony to be on my my my, my ATC team. Yep. I don't want to make a member of my team feel like I'm trying to cheat him or do something to him. Like the onus, mm. I think, goes on the captain to be always the bigger man in some of these things. And yeah, whether that's fair or not, it did set standards for how I was going to behave mm. throughout the game. Um, Tony wins to go first. Spears push into me, kill a couple of my psychers, kill uh, a whole unit of my guardians, pushes into me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. All right. He feels like he's winning. But again, he's only picked up this list a couple weeks ago. Like, hmm. I played Eldar's in my blood. I have the <laughs> Incar. <laughs> um, and I'm watching the clock. We're playing. He wanted, he wanted to play on the clock. He asked me, right? Yep. I'm watching the clock. I'm like, bro, you slow in my head. I'm like, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just shake it off. Shake it off. We're gonna yeah. go. So I kill all the spears, blah, 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 move guardians in the board, soft charges stuff. I'm invincible. Walk up the board, blah, blah, blah. Can't go in the building, which would make me more invincible, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, I fuck up a movement the next turn. I should have just stayed in my bubble. I kill the stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm locked with. Should have just stayed, continue to move up. Don't, I drop in some hawks to shoot some rangers. Forget about them in the shooting phase. He doesn't let me shoot them. I'm like, all right, that's the game you want to play. That's yeah. fine. You know what I mean? That, I'm, I'm okay with playing the game. No take backsies, no, no this, that. That's fine. Those are the rules. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm hmm. like, ugh, fuck. All right, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. The next turn, I'm like, I failed to get off the move twice Unard power because I'm like a half inch in and he blocks, he blocks the power. I'm like, damn. So yep. Solitaire is like, instead of having a zero inch charge, has like a nine, mm-hmm. she fails. I'm like, ugh, great, cool, whatever. He's up big on score. He's like, hey, we can call it, right? They're, they're coming, the judge is coming around throughout this whole game being like, you guys have 20 minutes or you have this much time left, blah, blah. I was like, we have a chess clock. Do you respect the chess clock? And the judge is like, fine, I respect the chess clock. You know, it's been running. Whatever, you can play the chess clock. Um, or whatever. I guess that's what he's saying in his head. He doesn't say that, but he's like, all right, whatever. Um, I was like, we, we're using this. Uh, you know, I mean, we started it when this, the round started. This is the chess clock. This is the mm-hmm. time. Tony has four minutes left. I have 45. Jesus. And, and that's, and we're about to go into turn three. And like, in my head, I'm like, he's like, hey, do you want to call it or anything? I was like, I was like, Tony, you can't win. Game's you over. have four minutes yeah. left. He's like, well, then I, I was like, and then I'm going to take three turns. I'm going to clear the score, kill all your shit. Like, I was like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, and he's yeah. like, uh, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, like, well, I mean, the chess clock's not binding. They don't have any rules for chess clocks in this event. He's like, it's just some something to help us keep a good pace. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah, I'm not going to have an opinion, so, but it was his idea to use it, right? Well. It was his idea to use it. Um, and I, to me, and it's, it's a thing. It's like, I know Tony was young. I know Tony, he was prepared, hoping to win the ITC. He was doing well. I like, I, there's a lot of things that want to vilify Tony as a person. I don't go that far. Um, so I'll, I'll never, I'll never blame a guy for, tr- for doing everything within his means to, to compete. Where, where that line crosses, I think is up to like, I mean, I think the community has decided where that line is with this examples and, and things, but I'm not going to, whatever, the, what I say doesn't matter. But 
So he calls the judge over and he's like, "There's there's no chess clock rules." And the guy and the judge is like, "You kept telling me the whole game that the time was your chess clock that you were using it." And I'm like, "I was like, do you know how the chess clock works? Like, you yeah. have your time, you have my time, I have my time. You can't use my time once your time runs out. Like that's." Just... And so um, I four up it, <laughs> and I Doesn't win the four up, and I'm like. I was like, Judge, does this mean I can do whatever I want? Because that's what we determined at the beginning of the game. With he's like, Judge is like, yep. And I'm like, I was like, Tony, tell me in your heart that you didn't think this was a real chess clock. And he told me, Oh, I didn't think it was a real chess clock. And I'm <laughs> like, All right, whatever. Then let's do this. Just because again, I was captain of this team. This team was something bigger to me than even this LDO, and I wanted this team to have good camaraderie, good things because those are important for mm. a team. And yeah. so. I tried to sacrifice my own self in that moment. You know what I mean? Like push my own ego down and yeah. be like, all right, chess clock isn't real. So play out the clock. We play out the clock, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, so I lose the game. Um, and, and before, before anybody jumps, jumps on and say that Nate, Sean wants to be a martyr or, oh, that's not really how that works. He won the, he won the ETC that year. Team America. This is the year Team America won the ETC. So the things that he was building at LVO and the way he was carrying himself did bring results undeniable results now based on what happened against so if you think about that i picked an etc team that put five people in the top eight at lvo that year yeah alex fennel was on that team fennel right yeah. was on the team he was on the team tony Capano was on the team i was on the team five people in the top eight four out of four of the top four were mm-hmm. on the, i picked i handpicked that team and they that's how well we did that's how strong that team was yeah, um, and you know, you guys are all smashing out games in your basement, cooking up wonky ass crap that essentially goes and dominates the LCO that year. But uh, so you went down in that game. Where did you end up overall? So that was, I think, my lowest finish because I didn't come. I think I came into that game sixth, so I finished either seventh or eighth. Yeah, um, fair enough. And I mean, that's of six LVOs, your lowest finish is a seventh or an eighth. That's that's pretty ridiculous. But uh, that's yeah. the that's the tale of the first four of your LVOs. We've got two more to do over in part two. But I uh, do thank you so much for the insights into your, your kind of mindset, especially the insights to what, what a lot of people might not get exposed to, which is the kind of the undeniable politicking at the top, which is I I. I I'm not a huge fan of it. I try not to buy into it, but everyone has to play it to some extent and purpose. When you're, everyone's in teams with each other and alternative things, and some people got financial pressures and family pressures and all these things, it's, it's you just get drawn right. in. Don't you? And, and, and it's just again, it's like I had to. I asked him from the heart. I'm like, oh, did you not really believe this was chess clock? Because there weren't rules for chess clocks yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, there's no I, and, and it's possible. And this is what I talk, you talk to people all the time. You're like, talk at the beginning of the game, talk about everything that might be yep. a main factor. Like, what's the terrain? And thank God in now this edition, people, GW is defining some of that stuff more for us. So we don't have to have these conversations, but there were no chess clock rules. So, like, at the end of the day, the, what, what is the judge supposed to do? What is the, the runner nothing, of the event supposed yeah, to do? They've got, they've got nothing, nothing enforceable that they can go know, back on and say, you see this line it, here, it, this says. You know, he told me his word, and I believed him at his word. I took I took his word because that's what I wanted to do. That was that was my choice. I, I like I said, I won the four up, and I had the choice to be like I could be like fuck you, or I could be like tell me what you really believed, and you know, and I have to go with that. And mm-hmm. um, well, I did because of other choices he made throughout the rest of the day. I did kick him off my my, my world championship team, and yep. he did not come to that event um, because when you do something once, I'm like okay, 
but then you do something again and then you try again. Then, then I had to be like, whether this is you making bad choices over money, prestige, whatever on the weekend, or whether this is a pattern, you still did it to your whole team. And so I had mm-hmm. in the interest of the team now, I have to remove you, but yeah. um, I still say hi to Tony. I still, I, I, you know, I still like the dude in terms, in terms of general, like, you know, I have no ill will towards him. It's just, it's just good. Most of these things, like I said, are not regrets about how other people acted. They're more regrets on choices I made. And I made these choices. It's not like, you know what I mean? It's the same thing as like, I regret not moving the one Talos. Yeah, exactly in, right. Exactly in, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, it's, it's just, it's not stuff where I'm like, exactly. I'm not trying to be a martyr and be like, oh, I should have won all these events, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Like, I, I did great. I did in, mm. exceptional. I'm proud of all those events. I look back at them as if I had done this a little bit better or that a little bit better, I would have won maybe these events. But it, it's nothing It's nothing major where I'm like, oh, I only lost because I chose to lose. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of that crap. But it's just interesting to note that um, all these guys were written up. Of- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. I think any game in, in the top eight um, of an LVO, every player is good enough to beat every player. Every player is good enough to win the event. But uh, what's interesting is that we talk about that Tony Grappando game. Of So he played, we know he played three games in the finals of the LVO over the top eight, because then he went on from you to play a legendary incident occurring versus um, Alex Har- uh, Fennel. Alex Fennel. And yeah. then a legendary event happened uh, against Nick Nanavati in the final. So all, you know, very, very interesting, very controversial event that I'm sure everyone was happy to put behind them at the end of the day. But, uh, dude, that's going to wrap us up for part one. Thank you so much again for your insights. Thank, and thank you, everybody at home. Hopefully, this has been a very interesting journey for you guys. We're pretty much going through the legendary run of uh, Sean Naden through his L- six LVO top eight finishes. And I suppose that's kind of the lens we're looking at his um, him as a player, him as a gamer. In part two, we're going to deep dive a bit more into motivations, a bit more things that make somebody, somebody who can consistently stay in the top eight of an LVO across uh, what is now hopefully going to be three editions if you made the next LVO happens and you, you crack a top eight. Um, and yeah, can stay that strong that long. And just, Only Kobe could stop me, Adam. Only Kobe could stop me. Well, dude, well, you, well, you're talking about it now. You're talking about all your secrets. You're, giving, you're going to give them away in the part two and you're going to burst your bubble. Oh, yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. uh, please just join us <laughs> peace. Uh, please join us over on the patreon you can find us at uh, art of war one word underscore down under um on patreon or the new art of war website art of war 40k.com and you can buy our podcast and uh, the other art of war podcast for a nice lump sum and get them both for a bit of discount on either so mr naden anything you want to mention again on the way out uh i love 40k and i want covid end so i can play more me too dude I love all these events and I love the people we meet and um, the fact that I'm talking to somebody from Australia and I have a great loving relationship with Adam. It's because of nah, like it is we are true. friends solely because of it. And, um, and you know, sure. I mean, whenever I see you at uh, events, it's, it, it brings a smile to my face to see it's, you. It's real good, dude. It is real good. It's real good to have these relationships and to, to cultivate them through the, the medium we both share. But uh, for those who don't know, I, I, play, I played uh, Mr. Naden at that, uh, that WTC that uh, Team America won. He gave me my first zero-point loss in any edition of any game. Fantasy, 40K, anything. I'd never taken a zero-point loss. First one. Uh, I've taken a few since. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, we will jump over to part two. Thank you so much again, and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K.
Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War down under. Signing out from tomorrow.